Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 100 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today's episode is very unique and also very special. So in addition to being episode 100, we are just a few days away from the three-year anniversary of the death of our son, Andy. So because of these two things happening at the same time, we decided to do something different that I've been talking about the last couple of weeks. We did a live stream and overall it went really well. I think to the point that we will continue to do these, not with Eric, but with Gwen and fielding some question and answers with Gwen, which I think would be really amazing and helpful. So we did the question and answer on Facebook Live and also on the Always Andy's Mom YouTube channel. I think most people watch from Facebook, but I'm not completely sure of that. So this episode today is just going to be that recording. So we are just going to replay that recording and let you all listen in on what our live question and answer session was like when we recorded it yesterday live. I do want to thank everyone for the great, great questions that were submitted. Some submitted ahead of time and the majority just during the question and answer session. So thank you so much for that and for being a great audience. Okay. All right. Well, this is the live stream. We are seeing how this goes and hopefully some people will come on. So I guess we'll wait kind of a couple minutes and see if we have anybody watching. If you're watching and either through YouTube or through Facebook, go ahead and leave a comment or say where you're from, who you are. It'd be kind of interesting to see that. And the more interaction we get initially, the more people it shows up in their feeds and then the more people can participate in today's session. So looks like we've got two eyeballs according to the corner there. So if you've got an eyeball on it, drop your name and where you're from. And it's yep. heart. Ooh, even better. Ooh, I know. An eyeball, two eyeballs and one heart. That's a person, actually. If we just <laughs> a couple legs and arms. That's right. That's now, right. Now it's a triclops, so now we don't have a person. Oh, now we have three people watching. So, again, if you can post a comment, then we will see kind of who you are and where you're from. And we do start, we have like four questions that have been asked. So, that'll be good to kind of get things going. Oh, Michelle Thorson from Grand Rapids. Hello, Michelle. Hello, Michelle. Well, I think we probably just get started. Yeah, I I'm, certainly we can because this is going to be our podcast for our that will be kind of distributed tomorrow as well. So, um, first of all, I just wanted to say 
I can't believe actually the timing of this. So, you know, this week is the three-year anniversary of Andy's death. And the whole month, actually, always from the 1st of August, it just gets to be really hard because I feel like everything is a countdown. And I don't know about you. I don't think you do this as much as I do. But I have done this every year and that I think back, what were we doing this day? What were we doing this day? What were we doing this day? So what we were doing this day, if you don't remember, Eric, because you don't, um, this day would have been the Saturday before Andy died. Actually, you weren't with us. So we, at the last minute, decided to go up for the weekend and to the cottage, and we spent time with your parents and we had a really lovely weekend, actually. So it was the three of us kids, and then my our daughter Catherine brought a friend of hers, Aaron. And so we were up, and we had just a really nice weekend. And I think the other reason it was so nice is because it was just spontaneous and unexpected. And we decided to go up, and, and I remember we left on Sunday, and Andy always still had this teddy bear that he loved and he brought with him. And he forgot the teddy bear and like, bud, we do not have time. We cannot go back for the teddy bear. And so anyway, that's what we were doing. But it, those kind of memories end up sort of really haunting me and that I am always thinking back to those days. So it just was amazing to me that when I started planning this out, because I started looking to see when episode 100 was going to be probably almost three months ago. I wasn't even on 90, and I started just planning it out. And I realized that it was going to be this week. And I thought, wow, we really need to do something different, something special to kind of honor 100 episodes and to honor Andy at the same time. So... Anyway, that's how the live stream question and answer came to be. Hello, Rhonda. So Rhonda just wrote in. Rhonda is Robbie's mom. And Rhonda was a guest on the show not too terribly long ago. So anyway, we've got 12 people watching now. So again, as we said at the beginning, if you are watching, please post a comment. Um so that we can see where you are and who you're from and we don't have to say everybody's name and hopefully we won't be able to say everybody's name because we'll get to be too many people but we're up to kind of 14 watching now so anyway make some comments yep so drop a comment in the, the um in the description just a like or heart or whatever um and yeah. where you're from and so um yeah so for me august so my memory, I don't know if my memory's bad, but I don't remember usually what I had like to eat. <laughs> and so I don't remember the specifics of, of anything except really just the day. And so uh, I don't know where I was the day before, the day before that. I just kind of vaguely remember sort of what was going on, you know, with the soccer and stuff. But Well, and we, so I, I took trouble. actually so many pictures. And so those I see because those end up coming back. And then Facebook things like, oh three years ago three years ago so those kind of come back curses for facebook as anyone who's lost someone <laughs> no, uh, yeah. you have those facebook memories uh photos that come up and that first year they're the hardest i i i think they're hard all the time yeah i feel like they're harder they're i can look at them now without crying 
<laughs> uh, when I see them right away. So, I mean, I don't look at them very much. Now I do a little bit more than I did, I think, the first two years. Um, so I maybe that's part of it. You know, you just kind of get to the point where you can now, you know, look at things and it doesn't make you immensely sad and like wailing and stuff you know and yeah. so now yeah i can look yeah. at it and actually have some sweet memories i guess you know kind of like that was a fun time or something whereas know. you know now i can't ever have that time before right that's like the for initially that's sort of yeah it did things. feel like it always was a stab to the heart and now it just kind of sometimes is maybe yeah. I don't know. It just depends. Okay, so I do want to welcome some more people that are watching. So we have Carly, who I've talked to before. Carly did not say where you're from. Um, and we have Chrissy from Clarksville, Tennessee. Chrissy's been on the show a few different times. And Chrissy, I want to do a special shout-out to her as well because the anniversary of Caleb's death is actually tomorrow. And so Chrissy and I have been talking on the phone and – chatting a lot because it's been a really tough week for both of us so anyway keep Chrissy and me and your thoughts and prayers these next few days we would really appreciate it um, so we also have Amanda joining us Charity from Columbus Ohio Michelle Corbin's mom from Holt Michigan another Michelle from Minneapolis and then um, oh and Rhonda wrote that Robbie's birthday is coming up just on the 26th, and anniversary date is the 31st, so it's going to be really tough. And I know Rhonda has written to me, too, that they're finally able to have that celebration of life coming up, hopefully here in September. So that's a lot. That's a lot going on, for sure. Why don't we do a question? Okay, let's do a question. Okay. Um, so we got some questions, and now I need to find them. So the first question I got was, what has someone done that has helped you through your grief? Do you want to take that one first? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think for me, I had a, a friend, Ben, who, who um, would just go on walks with me. Mm -hmm. I mean, now he's a... He's actually a counselor. And so, He's a therapist. So, so I don't know if people was... always ask me, is your husband in therapy? And I would say, well, not officially. Right. But his friend Ben takes him on walks that I'm pretty sure are therapy sessions. Yeah. yeah. So that was really helpful. I think, you know, I, I think especially, I was just listening to somebody today. It's really hard for men, I think, to have close friends. In today's society, I think we have many. And so I think you can get become very isolated. And you you rely on other people to help you. Because, you know, I can't rely on Marcy because you're doing the same, you're going yeah. through the same thing. And so it was helpful to have someone who just talked to you about stuff and how just life sucks and, you know, things are tough. And and um, and then we talked about other stuff, too, which is what you, you know, you don't want to just talk about the death of your son. or So that was super helpful. I think just having someone who's just around and just talking and, you know, it's it wasn't therapy. I mean, I guess it probably was like in his, I don't think it was like. <laughs> Sneaky therapy, but uh, I think it was, just, you know, that, I mean, that's what therapy is, right? You just go and talk to someone. And so uh, just having someone you can talk to. And so that it, it's as hard as a, as a man, I think, especially as an introverted man, <laughs> uh, that you just don't have a ton of friends. And so it, it's helpful having someone to just spend time with. And, and it probably helped me getting out of the house for you, from you too. So you have some time for yourself. Yeah. I, well, and I always felt good if you're going on a walk with Ben, I, I always would feel like, okay good because I, I felt a little less pressure because sometimes I think you know as the mom and as the wife 
you feel this need that you need to care for everyone, right? I'm, I'm supposed to take care of the kids. I'm supposed to take care of my husband. And when I knew you were doing that walk with Ben, I felt like, okay, Ben's taking care of him today. And almost for the next couple days, I feel like I don't need to worry about taking care of you because I knew Ben sort of was. And so that was really helpful. So that helped both of us. <laughs> so it did. It did help both of us. Yeah. So I actually had four really specific people that I thought that did four very different things for me. And so I wanted to share all of those. And I actually got permission from all four of them to share. So, um, and that was in the first days of grief. And I feel like different people have different talents and skills and do different things for you. So, um, First of all, the night of the accident, we obviously were all, we were taken to the hospital and three of these women were there. Like they came immediately and were there with me. And I, I'm going to start out by my friend Michelle, who was the first one to log in here. So little shout out to Michelle. So Michelle was one of my first calls uh, that we were there. It was supposed to be an office party and she actually works for my office. So she should have been there, but wasn't. So when I couldn't get a hold of her, people from the office were frantically calling her too, that this horrible accident had happened and she needed to talk to me. So she was there and like I was in the ER and they were checking me out and literally cutting my clothes off of me. And Michelle was there holding my hand and she held my hand until I had to go in that CT scanner and when I felt like I couldn't breathe and I just wasn't going to be able to go on, she was right there. And when things needed to be done, when, you know, we needed to plan a funeral and we needed to get food for the family and we needed to figure out who was sending all of the stuff, she just took over. And my family my like extended family, my sister-in-law, all my relatives so appreciated her because here she comes with a clipboard of write down the name of the person, write down what they brought, write down all of this stuff. And then she went to Costco and printed all of these thank you notes that I wouldn't have to do that. She just took over. So it was just tremendous. She also was the one to talk to the police um, and she's the one that was our media spokesperson that would talk to the media and was kind of that filter for us. So, so she was huge in those first days. Then the next person I want to talk about is my friend Kara. Because my friend Kara, she was there to really just weep with me when I needed someone to weep with me. She was just right there beside me, crying with me. And sometimes that's what you need, actually. You just need someone to sit and cry with you. And when I would lament, like really cry, she would just be there with me. And, and that was just so special to me. And then in those days and weeks afterwards, when I uh, needed to to do something because I wasn't at work she would take me out and take me to go play pickleball which I've never done before and all of these things and I'd start crying during pickleball and she'd be totally okay with it and she'd just like take me out and do things and 
And so that was huge. And then my friend Carrie was along the same lines. And Carrie and I didn't do a ton together beforehand. But Carrie's mother had died. And she just felt more, I think, comfortable being around death in some ways. And, you know, there were always a lot of people that would say, you know, call me if you need something. Call me if you need something. And I would, like, shut the door and think to myself, I'm never going to call you. I'm never going to call you. And there were days when I didn't want to get out of bed, and I was just so sad. And Carrie would just show up at my door and ring the doorbell and make me go on a walk. And I needed someone to make me go on a walk. So there was one day that the doorbell rang, and I'm upstairs, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to answer it. I'm just not going to answer it. And then it rang again. And I went downstairs, and I answered the door, and it was Carrie. And she said, it's time to go on a walk. We need to go on a walk. And I'm like, I said, okay. I wasn't going to answer the door. And she said, well, you don't understand because I wasn't going to leave. And so, so she just was going to be there to push me to just be there. And I needed that. And I needed someone to say, I'm not going to go away, and I'm just going to keep on the phone with you <laughs> or I'm going to keep showing up at your door and doing stuff and then the last person I wanted to talk about was my friend Tina so Tina also was there the night of the accident uh, and she is a very high up in the hospital system she's like a tremendous powerful person and she just was there and the day that we, after the accident, we had to decide on where we were going to do this funeral. And we didn't know where, I mean, we knew we were going to want to have the funeral at our church. But our church was undergoing construction, and so we couldn't do a reception afterwards. And the pastor's like, we can talk to other churches. I don't know what to do. And Tina said, we should have it at Meyer Gardens. And I was like, that's going to cost a lot of money. Because Meyer Gardens here in Grand Rapids, it's beautiful. I mean, people have weddings there, but like rich people have weddings there. It is not a cheap place to rent out. And um, she said, you let me worry about that. And I, we had the most beautiful reception. And I never saw Bill. She just took care of everything. And every day in those first first days after work where she had this very powerful job she would just show up at my door just show up and when I needed to write the obituary she sat there beside me and wrote the obituary and her quiet strength because that's what she was she didn't talk a lot she just had this quiet strength and sometimes you need somebody around you that's just strong that you can just rely on their strength and that was her to me when I felt like when I need somebody really strong who might tear up a little bit but isn't going to be the one to cry with me that's when I needed Tina so it was it, it just each one of them did something so special and I just wanted to honor them and then talk about the importance of having different people in your life to do different roles and knowing that one person can't do it all and doesn't have to do it all. And it's beautiful, I think, to have different people do different things for you and that you don't burn out somebody either and make them kind of do too much.
So anyway, that was a really long answer, and I apologize for all that, but I do feel like it was important to kind of go through all of it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, that just points to the fact that we all have different gifts. And, um, right. you know, uh, you know, you you work on your strengths and whatever it might be if you're trying to help someone and uh, to try not to do things that you can't do. I mean, you can always go outside your comfort zone and to try and do some new things, and you may be stronger than you think. Uh, but you know, you shouldn't feel like you're a failure if you can't do certain things. So I think I think it's important. And I think, you know, when you look at this podcast, when it comes to Marcy, uh, her strength is, well, she likes to talk. Um, <laughs> and because she's a pediatrician, that's what she does. She helps take care of people and families. And this is really an extension of, of what she does as a job. And she was doing this kind of before you even were working. I mean, you kind of, I think, started this Oh, the podcast? The podcast. Before and I went back to work, for sure. Before went back to work. Mm-hmm. And so it has been a healing thing for you. And I know, I mean, I've read a lot of these emails. I, it's amazing community of people who've, who've been helped by this. And um, it's been an honor to really to, to be a part of this. I, didn't, I haven't done a whole lot except just encourage you in general. Um, but, you know, we, we set up the, the Andy's Mom, or the Always Andy's Mom, nonprofit site uh, it's so that you can do more stuff and so you know she's not very good at asking for help at, yeah whether after Andy or even now right and so I think it's important if you find this helpful and this is I'm the I'm the well I'm the treasurer I guess yes. of our organization yeah <laughs> so it's my he's the treasurer and you know what's funny is that he tells me well, because now I did hire someone to help me with my social media, and I hired someone to help me with my editing, so I don't have to do everything, because it was getting to be a lot. So I was getting some help. So he's the treasurer who sends money out every month, and he will say to me, did you ask for money? You, sh- you should ask for money, because people will want to donate for mo- donate money, and like, ah, I don't really want to do that. And it's... It's very ironic that I'm doing this today because yesterday I was on a different podcast. I was interviewed on another podcast, and I will post that later when it's going to be released. But he, I started talking to him about the fact that I am bad about wanting to ask for money. And he runs a nonprofit himself, and he said, yeah, I was really bad at that too. And he said a few years ago – they used to, this nonprofit would bring in um, money and he had this person that would send $50,000 every single year. He would send $50,000. And one year, the $50,000 check didn't come. And he said to his friend, like, wow, you know, I'm really disappointed. This $50,000 hasn't come. And he said, well, did you ask? And he said, well, no, I didn't ask. I'm not going to ask. And he said, well, isn't your mission worth it? And he told me that, and I started to cry because I thought, wow, do I not think my mission is worth it? Because of course I think my mission is worth it. Of course I think it's worth it to reach out to people and to help people. And I thought, that's really not honoring of the whole thing to act like it's not worth people you know send in a donation or send in some money and anyway it really was very powerful to me and and Eric was going to come on and he was well and he still can and kind of give a little pitch but I kind of thought to myself you know it's worth it it's worth it to do it right I, I, I can just say you know for one thing I mean we don't 
the the money goes towards just the, every penny goes towards the production and the promotion of the show. And so it goes towards the, the things that Marcy was doing that she doesn't need to do, like posting these on social media. We've got someone who does a great job, fantastic job with that. And it's been a well, and it used to stress me out. Honestly. And, yeah. And right. it's great. And, and then also, you know, someone who edits a show, which it's not, it's not super expensive. We found someone who does it and who's been very, felt very blessed to be part of this process as well. Well, and both of them actually yeah. got pretty inexpensive. But, to but that, uh, but that frees up Marcy, not only for the time so that she can focus answering emails and those sorts of things, but also, uh, it really helps the fact that she just can get away from, you know, caring for people a little bit in some sense for those three, four hours when you're editing, because it would take a long time. And it just it doesn't become so overwhelming, the whole uh, the whole podcast process. Yeah. And so that's been probably the best part of it for you in that it just lets you focus on, you know, yourself. On, the, and, on what I like, too, and not the social media, which really did. Well, me sure. Out, yeah. Was that? Well, and and someone just wrote Michelle just wrote, yeah. don't forget to promote Amazon Smile. And that is totally true because that is an easy way. I mean, think about how much stuff people buy on Amazon now. If you type in smile.amazon.com instead of just Amazon.com. They will ask you what charity you want to promote, and if you put in always Andy's mom, then I get—I think we get like half a percent or something. something. Or, yeah. I mean, so, we get like a little amount, and it doesn't actually take anything away from you, and it does—it's just an easy thing to be able to do. So. So anyway, uh, then and then so if you want to support the show, you can obviously go there. You can go to um, the website, and you can just make a PayPal donation, and that's really the only the only pitch I think for the show but I just I think it'd be nice for people to realize that they can do those things to support you and what you're doing and I think there's some things we want to do and reach out to more children's hospitals maybe and their bereavement units and to to, because they already that's already at at Toronto uh, the sick kids and then also at St. Jude you said in Memphis and so We'd like more people to have access to this. And actually, if people are listening either live or later and they know of somebody that runs bereavement at a children's hospital or they have some sort of connection, please let me know because I would really like to be able to reach out um, to others. Okay. So I wanted to do a couple more of these comments. No, I'm going to do some comments. (laughs) I guess you're in charge. I am in charge. So uh, Carly wrote also... To be grateful for the Facebook memories because she said her Facebook was hacked a month after her son died and everything she ever posted about him was gone. So, wow. I think it's hard to see him, but it would be harder not to see him in some ways. Oh, sure. Yeah. And Amanda wrote, hello. Uh, Thanks for sharing. And and her son, B, she was on the show, would be his 16th birthday on Saturday. So... Hmm. She is joining us from Florida right now. And then Joni says, thank you for being here. Joni's Martin's mom. Joni's from New Mexico. And I'm going down. And Gwen is on. So Gwen wrote congrats on episode 100. So she's coming to us from Grief Guide. Charity, I think I already said, oh, Charity's son was killed in a car accident in January. Cameron, forever 26. And Vicky is writing to us. Shalise. Shalise is writing to us, too. Shalise oh. is, is my cousin's wife, so that's exciting. So, uh, also, and you know, to Gwen, thanks so much. Um, what a, I mean, what a gift you've been to Marcy and to our family and to the, yeah. and to the podcast and all the people who listen. I think, you know, your episodes. So, I don't listen to every episode. I try to, but I get behind. But... But I, you know, I find I really do learn things from everyone who has their show. Uh, you know, 
their stories. It's 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 a way for me to not only learn something but also kind of check in to see how Marcy's doing. So it's been good that way for me too. All okay, right. so next question: Is there anything that you feel helped your children he- your children heal while going through the tremendous loss of their beautiful brother? Uh, yeah, I think you know it. It's similar to the adults. So I think you know for us, and maybe this is similar to most families. It's really hard to providing comfort to your kids when you're going through. This. I mean, you you greet you you know you're grieving with them. You feel bad for them that they've lost their sibling, but. You can't. You don't really have a whole lot to offer them, except you can hang out with me. But I'm really sad all the time. So I think you know, when people just took them and just did things with them, especially Peter had a little bit. Uh, I think yeah. more friends who just kind of said, "Hey, can we take Peter for the day or whatever?" And and that was. I think this was very helpful. I mean, I think that was probably the most helpful thing, just to get them away from a place where people are sad the all the time. And what's funny is it's still a little bit that way. You know, he was going to hang out with his friend, and I said, "Well, he can come here." He'd just rather go there. And even though I don't feel like we're at, like, a sad household anymore, he still does like, I think, going out and being in other places. Yeah, and he deals with the memories of his brother doing stuff with him here, right? Yeah, so every time he does I, here? I think in some ways it maybe still is a little bit hard to be in that basement and playing with somebody who's not his brother. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. Um Certainly, I think we we put the kids in individual therapy, and then we also did some stuff as a family. So I think all of that was helpful, and then and certainly some more than others. So, like Catherine really enjoyed going to Starlight Ministries with us, especially when she had a friend that she really felt close to that went as well. So that was super helpful to do that kind of as a family. Um, but yet Peter really did not like it at all, <laughs> at all. And I think a lot of it was he just didn't have any guys that he felt he related to. So for him, just doing that individual one-on-one therapy was much more important. And it was funny because his therapist said, I think, I think he's good. I don't really think he needs to come. And then I brought that up. Like, I he's wondering if you need to come and he was like yeah I still need to go so he felt like he really needed that I think he needed that time that he knew he could talk to someone who he wasn't going to make sad because that's the thing I think our kids want to protect us so much that a lot of times they're not completely honest with us and what they're going through and so like you said having people from the outside that want to see them or having a therapist that they can work with is um uh, anyway i think that's really important yep okay so next question is have you had ever had any moments of clarity during a grief therapy session that you feel helped a lot you going to take that? You want me to start? Why don't you start this time? I, I will start. Um, so a couple things. One, uh, when we were at Starlight Ministries, there was a group of sessions, six sessions, that were focused on lament. And that was so extremely powerful to me to really learn about lament and what it is to lament and to truly mourn because I remember having this just huge aha moment 
that is that lightning? I hope it's an airplane. I think it's an airplane. Okay, we're good. What happens to you next to the airport? (laughs) So, uh, anyway, I had this aha moment that it's, I had always called it the bad cry. I would say, oh, it's the bad cry. I'm having the bad cry. It sounds a lot better to say that I am just showing lament and really, truly mourning. And that when you're bereaved and you're mourning, it's like you're being torn asunder. And that, because that's exactly what it feels like, that you're being ripped completely apart. And to have those terms really explained to me, it really normalized it. Like, lament is normal and good and has gone on throughout the ages. And when you are mourning and bereaving someone, you are being just ripped apart and that is completely normal so you don't feel like this you're doing something that's abnormal you anyway normalizing that was big for me yeah and for me I think you know one of the things was is was recognizing that people survive and that I'm not the only one who's gone through this Um, it's not a happy thought to think that other people have gone through the same sort of process uh having their their child die um, but knowing that people survive and they get through um, you know it's not fun it's not something you'd ever want to do but that you can you can come out the other end and you know get through it the other is um one thing that, that struck me after just a couple of weeks of our our session our um, group was that we spent a lot of time with well other other parents obviously but they had kids who died and who were adults and people who died and ones who died as a baby and then, you know, just a couple of teenagers. And it was, you, initially you just recognize the differences between everyone. Like they had, they had grandkids and, you know, they were, it was, so it was a totally different situation. The adult child, and you're jealous because you're like, wouldn't it be great to see my kid if he was 25, 30 years old and had a family? And yeah, you lose them, but at least you had some time with them, you know, uh, versus somebody who's lost a baby, right? And then, but you, at some point, you realize that it's all kind of the same, and that mm-hmm. um, it's different. Obviously, every you know, every life's unique, and your life, your experiences are different. But, but recognize that there is a common sort of thread for everybody, and that yeah, we're different, but the the loss is probably just as intense. And and so I don't know. I mean, it was that was I think the most, I the thing I learned the most. It was the most surprised by certainly, but. That's a really big club, and then um, and I just you know had a patient today who I talked to who lost her daughter in child labor, uh, eight months ago, and so, you know, we we talked about that actually, and that's something it also I never would have done, I mean five years ago I never would have started talking to someone about the fact that they lost a child or something before going back to the operating room, so that was definitely different for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too that you just have more in common than you do that isn't and that was surprising because all of us as bereaved parents have so much in common no matter what the circumstances and they can be completely and totally different but they are there are so many things that are just the same so let's see I'm gonna go through another couple comments so oh another Michelle wow we have a lot of Michelle's watching so just saying with God's grace the mission of yours and Andy's will grow thank you for your honesty and Carolyn just saying thank you also 
If you have questions, please post them now because I have one more question to talk about before we have to start just talking about other things. Just winging so it, huh? Okay. Then we'll have to start winging it. So please ask questions. If you have any questions to ask, ask them now. So I have something to wing, by the way. Oh, good. Good. So, so the next question is, we sort of addressed this a little bit, but do you feel getting grief therapy as a couple has helped if you've done this? Well, the, I guess we did do it as a couple. We did a group as a couple. Yes. Because uh, we did, we tried it once as a couple, and it was weird. Oh yeah, that. And that was, just was one of those things where it just didn't work. It no. just the therapist was not the right person or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, it was one-on-one therapy, just as a couple. It was odd. We I remember. <laughs> It was right away, though. So Andy died on a Wednesday, and I feel like it was like that Friday. Because So my office, I mean, great office, obviously. They were all there for us right away. And the um, one of our care coordinators lined up that Friday. So Andy died Wednesday night at 7 p.m. By Friday, Eric and I had a therapy couple's therapy appointment. My daughter, Catherine, had a therapy appointment. My son, Peter, had a therapy appointment. And she even made one for my foster son, Valeriana, who decided he was not going to a therapy appointment. So we, But the rest of us all went. But the, this woman, it was... She was like crouched down the whole time. She yeah, was. It, just, it was just odd. It was just different. And and I think we were honestly kind of too soon, don't you think? Yeah. Like we were in shock. I didn't even know what was going on. I just it was just too soon. So it may have worked had it been a little bit later, but then we definitely did the couples group, the support group, and that was huge for us to do it together. Yeah. There's actually a question from another Michelle, or maybe this is one who's been on there before, asking about how to reach children's hospitals. I think, you know, if you've if you've been through the children's hospital network, like, you know, your kid was there and you dealt with it, there's probably a grief coordinator or someone. I think we just reach out to them and just have them, uh, either you can get the information for us to, con- to reach out to them to talk to them about the show, to offer it as a resource for parents, mm-hmm. or, um, or they can have them contact Marcy so- just through the... So when you're, I think, and I think the question might be more about how we have done that so far. And so far. (laughs) We haven't. Well, no, that's not true. So I, at DeVos Children's Hospital here in town, I actually work with them a fair amount. So, you know, they wanted to do something for Mother's Day. So they designed, uh, we, I thought bookmarks would be a good thing. I said, everybody gives you books. We get all sorts of books. Sometimes you read them, sometimes you don't. But, um, oh, yeah, see, that was, that. she's clarifying. How do you serve them? Right. So I helped with doing a bookmark and that they sent out to all the moms. And um, so, and what they wanted for me now, she just sent an email asking for a little card that we could hand out to say kind of what we do. Uh, the other thing that I personally am wanting to do with Children's Hospital is I am wanting to talk to um, staff and to the doctors and nurses so that they can get more comfortable talking with bereaved families and families of children who are dying. So that is something that I'm doing. Gwen and I have uh, are working on putting together a program, actually, that we're going to do for physicians and nurses and and just staff at the hospital so that's something that I want to expand so obviously I've gotten my kind of the always Annie's mom focuses on parents but I am a pediatrician too and I feel like I got really cruddy instruction on what to do and I've said this before 
that all the times that I dealt with grieving families, there, there was one time that I thought I really messed up and I really did everything wrong. That is definitely thunder. <laughs> that I thought I did everything wrong and that was the only time I did everything right. And that was when I showed a little bit of more of my humanity and I really truly let that family knew, know that their child mattered to me and that I was going to miss them. And I didn't just have this, you know, this face of seriousness and all business and I let them see a little bit of what mattered. And I think that's important to be able to tell people that that's okay and that you don't always have to try to make someone feel better. That a lot of times the best thing to do is to just sit beside someone and know that you're not going to fix it and be okay not fixing it. So that's one area that I want to focus on. And I've been talking to Sick Kids Children's Hospital to their bereavement coordinator a little bit about that, but also just about getting that information out. And so just telling newly bereaved parents about the podcast that there are resources to be able to uh, just hear from other bereaved parents so they know that they're not going crazy. So it's kind of a twofold uh, mission as far as children's hospitals go. So two good questions. I don't know which one you want to just go in order. How differently sure. did you and Eric grieve? How differently did we grieve? Different. Really differently. Yeah. Still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, Marcy is uh, much more, her emotions are on her sleep, you know. Yeah. She wears them a lot more, better than I do. Um, well, just more. I mean, there's not yeah. one that's better than the one that's worse, but it's, I mean, we're just very, very different. I'm much more of an emotional person. Um, and, and yeah, and you're not. And I, I think back to just in those early weeks, you, like, I've got to get back to work. I've got to get back to work. I've got to do something. And then that was really helpful to you. And so then you kind of assumed that hoped, that would be hoped. helpful to <laughs> me. Or I hoped yeah. that that would be helpful to me and encouraged me to go back. And then it was sort of a disaster and it didn't go well at all. So then, I mean, so that is just one piece of evidence on how something that really helped him really didn't help me. Um, yeah, I just I, I think mean, you just have just to see what so works. Different. Yeah, and and I know I've talked to lots of other moms, especially I've talked to moms, and their husbands grieve so much differently. Like I just think about someone I talked to recently, and she said, "Yeah, my our, our daughter died, and it was a few days later, and he wanted to go to a movie. Like I couldn't go to a movie." But he just wanted to do something that felt a tiny bit normal. So, like, let's just go to a movie or something. And and not one's not right and one's not wrong. It's just totally different. Yeah. Uh, so the next good question from Rhonda is, how long did it take you to laugh again? And this was, you know, this is something that really... If there's one emotion I did not expect, it was fear. And I think yeah. the, biggest, the biggest one I had was I was just fear of ever being normal and ever being... I mean, I kind of joke around a lot, and that's uh, just sort of who I am. And uh, you know, whether it's dad jokes or actually funny jokes, and and that was something I thought 
especially those first few months, I thought I'm just never going to be happy enough or be able to smile. It was just hard. And then even when you do smile or laugh or something's funny, you laugh, you immediately feel guilty about it. You're like, I can't, I'm not supposed to be happy. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm really sad. So why am I laugh? Right. And, and at some point it just kind of happens. It just, you get better at, I, it's just, I think it's like anything, just with time and just kind of working through it and accepting it, you just kind of get to a point where you can kind of laugh again. And I, I mean, I would say, I'm, we're almost three years now, and I was just thinking the other day as I was at work, I was having a really good day at work, and I was joking around with everybody and the nurses and stuff, and I thought to myself, you know, this is kind of how I felt like I was three and a half, four years ago, but only like recently do I feel like I'm back, you know, so to speak. And even then, I'm, then I start thinking about it, and then I'm not anymore, right? So, but, uh, so it, it's a long time, but it's not that long. I mean, you just kind of just work your way sort of back into. I, I think it totally depends on who you're with, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we found that we went to that grief support group and we would sort of laugh. And we even had. <laughs> I think it's going to start to rain on us. So I did not expect this to happen. But so anyway we would laugh like there and you I almost felt more comfortable laughing with other bereaved people because when I laughed with people who weren't bereaved I always felt like they were going to judge me right why is she laughing is does that mean she's okay now it's it's just it was kind of funny but I knew that as if I was with other bereaved parents and I was laughing they knew that did not mean that I was suddenly okay so it felt more normal to laugh. Like we went, we did a game night with two other bereaved couples and it was awesome. We had a great time and we laughed a lot. And just anyway, that I think a lot of it has to do with where you are and this feeling of who you're comfortable with and how that, what they'll maybe think of you. Okay. I think we're okay out here for a little bit. We'll see if it really starts to rain on us. I and mean, we've got this little umbrella that we can move. When it rains on us. Yeah. When it rains on us. When it rains on us. Those aren't airplanes anymore. Okay. So um, let's see. I just also want to say for those who've lost their kids recently, I know people from it, it, this has been a really tough year and a half. I mean, I think I've, it was hard for us just with the pandemic and the anxiety and the, the you know, the fear and all that sort of thing and not able to see people. It's, I can only imagine what it's like to try and go through this now. I mean, I always, the whole time, been thinking about how hard it is for people who've gone through this sort of tragedy, which, you know, never would have thought of five years ago that something happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my heart goes out to you and just, you know, that you, it just makes the struggle even work harder, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Okay, next question on, the, on here is, have you changed your beliefs in the afterlife after Andy's passing? What would you say to that? I feel like it's, for me, not really. No, I don't think a whole lot. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think, think so. back, and I know we've told this story so many times, so probably everyone about knows this story Andy, yeah. about Andy, and that when Andy was seven, he drew this big family picture, and it was big, beautiful picture with the sun in the corner and a big tree and our family. But our family was not a family of five. It was a family of four. Eric's moving our umbrella, so this will be, hopefully will be better when it starts to rain. Um, So it wasn't our whole family. It was a family of four. And I asked him as soon as I looked at the picture, like, Andy, why do you have four people in the picture and not five people in the picture? And he said, well, Mom, I'm not going to grow up all the way. Uh, I'm going to be in heaven. 
And I immediately just thought, that can't be. I don't want this to happen. You can see as it's getting much darker on us that the rain is coming. Uh, but but anyway, I a little bit of me, though, really feared that that was true and really thought that that could be true. And so even the night of the accident, one of the first things Eric and I said to each other when we were alone is remember the picture. And to have that, it, it was just beautiful that we did have that little moment to be able to see kind of Andy's vision of that he was going to be in heaven and he was going to be okay with it. And so I do think of that in that sort of way. But I guess the only thing that has changed is I so often talk to other bereaved parents and we talk about our kids in heaven talking to each other. And, and that I don't think I thought of quite as much as I do now, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you know, it certainly your faith is affected. I tell people my faith was kind of rocked to the core when I lost Andy. Um, but it never really went away. I felt like I certainly fought with God a bit. Uh, I was angry with God a bit, but I kept thinking to myself, as long as I was still feeling anger towards God, I was still in relationship with God. So things were still kind of okay. All right. So what is the mission of oh no yeah. the next one is outside of compassionate friends is oh. there a non-religious grief group you know of for younger child loss and the answer to that unfortunately is well, no I we don't have know we have some locally but i'm sure there's some local groups oh local as well, right yeah uh, yeah like, um uh, what is that one gilda's no gilda's club yeah is more gilda's for cancer club. though Oh, there is another local one, and now I can't remember. But I think you have to just look kind of locally, because there is one here that's non-religious that's local. Um, then the next thing is, what is the mission of the nonprofit? Is it more than supporting the podcast? And I'd say it is, but it's. I think more broadly, it's supporting Marcy's work, which includes the podcast. But again, like we're trying to get her to. COVID's thrown everything off, right? But it was to try and get. Uh, interact with physicians and medical personnel so they can understand like you mentioned going to hospitals and talking to the staff about how to deal with grief to help those hospitals in their bereavement you yeah. know uh, outreach and sort of helping people the next but step I, for parents. I would love I mean if we could I mean right now we don't have anyone really supporting the the whole nonprofit at all except for us so it has been more focused on the podcast but I would love to be able to expand it out and, and to and, yeah. And my biggest thing, my real dream, is to do uh, retreats. Is to, and we do have a camp that we've been affiliated with that Andy just loved. And I've talked a little bit to them about doing some um, parent retreats. And I would love, I mean, that's the dream, honestly. That's the dream to be able to really do that and to be able to spread that out into yeah. more areas. And obviously COVID's caused... A it's Any so chance much, of yeah. doing something like that is kind of on the back burner until this sort of clears up, I and guess. And then just to be able to help people in their own little things. So I know Gwen has worked with a little group from Chicago that actually started by just being a group of people that listen to my podcast and now they're doing more and they're gathering together and I think they do quilting and they do other things. And so if, if those little groups kind of pop up, 
and I have the ability to be able to help them with a little funding to do stuff, I would love to be able to do that for sure. Oh, okay. You know what? Gwen just answered uh, a question. (laughs) So to help answer Courtney's question, you can go to the website of the National Alliance of Grieving Children and under find support, you locate your state and then it views the list of groups there and see if there are any in your area. And she says most of those groups actually are non-religious groups. So thank you, Gwen, for that little insight. Always Gwen. Always Gwen, given the answers to those things. So I'll answer a question which wasn't asked. Okay. So like um, people ask me sometimes, you know, what books I read. And the answer is I didn't. Uh, but that's not entirely true. I didn't no, read a couple. No, you didn't. I read you... a, uh, so I read one that I can't remember the name of it, but it was a book. It was like basically a kid's book sort of about some women making soup. Yeah. Uh, that was sent to us by the woman who eventually became my therapist. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So I don't anyway, know if you knew that, but yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that was really good. It, it was easy to read. I mean, obviously. Uh, I read a book, um, the the one book we got seven copies of, which I can't remember the name of right now. Lament for a Son. Lament for a Son, which is a fantastic book. And there are a lot of things in there that I think were helpful to me as, as a man. I think, you know, father going through this. Uh, and then the other book was really helpful to me, which I've had a number of people ask me about when I talk about things in the OR and stuff, but it's called The Art of Forgiveness by Smead, S-M-E-D-E. He's passed away. He's a pastor for many years, I think, in West Michigan somewhere. But he wrote two books. One was about what is forgiveness, and the other one was called The Art of Forgiveness. And even if you're not a religious person, in fact, you don't have to be to get a lot out of the book, it just talks about dealing with anger and forgiveness of the situation. Because probably in the story somewhere of your child, there's probably someone who's at fault or there's some sort of thing that happened. Maybe you're angry, some something. Well, and you're angry about the situation, if maybe nothing you're, else. Maybe you're, yeah, the situation, but, your spouse. I mean, we someone. had someone that physically, you know, ran into us and killed our son. So that right. was a person that we could put anger onto. But, and it was, yeah. it was actually, strangely enough, it was my accountant who gave me the book. <laughs> and he said he found it very helpful when he would talk to couples because he deals with people in tremendous stress, which you don't think of as an accountant, but... Uh, when it's, you know, financial problems with either marriage breaking up or a death of, a, of uh, some of the family or business falling apart, right? And so he's like, you know, forgiveness is one of those things that's really important. And I, it helped me a lot. I didn't have as many problems with anger as Marcy did, but I know it helped you quite a bit. And and I recommend it for anyone. It's super short. It's easy to read. And I think it just gives you a little bit more insight of what forgiveness is and how important it is for you dealing with anger. If that's something that you feel like you're struggling with, I, I think that was a great book. Again, Smead. I think it's Art Smead, S-M-E-D-E, called The Art of Forgiveness. Yeah, that, that, well, you were right in that. That was one of the the most important things I did, finally, is when I was able to truly forgive and um, not hold that anger anymore, that's when I felt like I could start to heal a little bit more. So, okay, next question is have either of you or your kids tried EMDR therapy? My friends who have dealt with trauma in their families struggle with anxiety. I did. And I have to say, so, two things. One, it really helped me. Why did you say what it is? Because that wouldn't mean anything to me. I, I, oh. I will. Two, I hated it when I had to do it. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to put both of those things out. So EMDR therapy is a type of therapy where they actually kind of bring you back to the traumatic event to try to have less of that negative 
sort of panic and body feelings that you go through when you're having it. And it's actually, you have these alternating eye movements or alternating sounds. And so they are trying to trigger a certain part of your brain to be able to dissociate from that. So for example, after the car accident, I, it's interesting because I have no recollection of the first probably 20 to 30 minutes after the car accident. I don't remember the crash. I don't remember any of the ambulances, fire trucks coming, none of that. I, I, when I came to, they were all there. And I think we counted later in the police report, there were like seven ambulances there. I think there were at least three fire trucks. There were a lot of emergency vehicles there, um, a lot. But in those weeks afterwards, anytime I heard a siren for a fire truck or an ambulance, I, my, I couldn't breathe. I started to feel these palpitations. I get this tightness. It was terrifying to me. And I don't even remember that happening. Yet it was awful. So that EMDR was crucial for me to be able to do so I could do that again. I mean, getting in a car was so difficult for me. So seeing families with three children was difficult for me so all of those things that would trigger me she was just trying to bring me back and be able to dissociate those things now that also being said our daughter just started doing EMDR now so now we're three years later and what's interesting is I, I mean we both feel very terrible about this is that we sort of felt like she wasn't in the car like how is she going to have this tremendous trauma compared to the rest of us when she wasn't in the car but there was so much that she did experience and so much trauma she did experience and when you think about like she was a teenager and she was alone and she found out this horrible accident had happened and then someone came to the door to have to tell her that her brother had died this is horrible trauma to have to go through and so just now in the last weeks She's doing EMDR, and, and we feel like we're already seeing a little bit lighter version of her. So, like, some of that, she would just be so anxious and kind of twitchy and things like that that we're already seeing that start to go down a little bit through the EMDR. So I, I can't say enough good about it, but... I mean, on the days that I was supposed to do EMDR with my therapist, I would go in and she'd say, is there anything you want to talk about before we do EMDR? And I would come up with every excuse under the sun on things that I felt were more important to talk about than that EMDR because it was hard to do. But doing it did tremendous good. So even though it's hard, I would recommend it 100%. This is so authentic with the thunder and lightning. Um, <laughs> I yeah. can't believe we're in the thunderstorm. I really did not. It was so sunny when we started. She has, and I think, yeah, I think she would agree also that she thinks it sucks, but she's, she also thinks it's been helpful. So, um, right, right. And then Michelle mentioned that the name of that organization that Gwen mentioned is now the National Alliance for Children's Grief. So if you're looking okay, for something, Okay, so that, it sounds like the name changed, National Alliance for Children's Grief, but it should still offer the same thing. Um, well, I... I just want to say thanks to all, all of you who are part of this community, which is not one we want to be a part of. Um, but it's been really tremendously helpful to me just to see your stories and listen to them and to see how much Marcy's helping. I mean, I think that that's why we do this, to try and help people. So, 
Well, and I have and one more kind yeah, of closing ahead. thing. Sorry. I wanted to ask one more question. And so we are thinking about, Gwen and I are thinking Great. about doing this more regularly, doing this as a Q&A, some of our sessions together and having people ask Gwen and I questions directly. And I don't know if we do it in the evening or the afternoon or what time of the day, but I just, from the people who are still watching, want to know if that would be helpful if they think that's something they would like if you're listening to this later on the podcast um, when it's released tomorrow on the podcast just write to me at marcy at andysmom.com or message through facebook or instagram at always Andy's mom if you could let me know if that's something that you think might be helpful and interesting because um, gwen and i certainly are thinking about kind of going that direction and maybe still we'd have a subject that we were planning on talking about, but just opening things up a little more to Q&A. Well, if we ever needed a better way to have to stop the, the show, I think the thunderstorm that is maybe yes, one minute because, away from Well, and us. it is now raining. We are under <laughs> cover of umbrella, so we're not getting wet yet, but... I think it's going to get worse soon. I know my social media guy is going to want me to stay under an hour because if we are under an hour, then he can post this directly to Instagram tomorrow. So we are at close to 59 minutes. Yep. So I would love that. One hour. Yeah. Sitting under an umbrella during a lightning storm, it may not be the best idea. So, <laughs> so I do have... Oh, great. I've had three people write that they think that the Q&A with Gwen would be awesome. So keep letting me know. Uh, oh, and last, the live videos would be very welcomed and helpful. So I think that sounds like maybe that's going to be a good idea. So we're thinking maybe next month sometime, Gwen and I will do one of these together. All right. So thank you so much for uh, logging in and uh, watching us today as the thunderstorm's coming through. Take care. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.